You are love and you are a cheerful giver. Father, you gave your son and we're here to say thank you. Jesus, you gave your life. You laid down your life for us. Thank you. Holy Spirit, you are the gift of the Father and the Son to us that we might live the Christian life. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being God's gift to us. Oh, we're so thankful for your indescribable gift of eternal life, to be forgiven, to know who we are and why we're here and where we're going. Thank you. Lord, thank you that we have a place to meet and we, we have roads to drive on and cars to drive and food to eat and indoor plumbing. We are so rich beyond anything that most people in history could ever have imagined, and we give you thanks. And yet we are needy people too, so we bring our thanksgivings to you. We bring our neediness to you. You know our financial needs, our physical needs, our relational needs. Meet our needs. As we open up your word today, forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many and help us to see Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Could, could, we have, could you handle a little bit of pastor humor, okay? Bear with me a little bit. I, I saw this cartoon. I really liked it. Now notice at the bottom it says, Dr. Sheldon takes advantage of his congregation's lack of knowledge of the Greek language. So up at the top, he says, actually, the Greek word for tithe means 25%. <laughs> okay, okay, you have to be a pastor, appreciate it. But I like that. I thought that was pretty good. Um, we are doing a message today. It's our second week talking about giving. Last week, Dave spoke and did a great job talking about the joy of giving. And today, we're going to look at how everyone wins when you give 10. Everyone wins when you give 10. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. It's the same context as last week's message. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, encouraging them to finish this collection. They had made a commitment to gather a collection to help the Jewish church, the church in Jerusalem that was going through a tough time. Paul was saying, you were quick to start, now follow through. Follow through with your commitment. 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. 
while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Everyone wins when you give 10. Now, see my sweet t-shirt here? It's one of our students' uh, t-shirts. I saw them and I finally got one this week. It's too small for you to read, but what it says across is know about Jesus and then notice how the about is crossed out. So that's my question to you. Do you know Jesus? Or do you know about him? And some of you would say, well, what's the difference? Well, if you ask me, Smiley, do you know George Washington? I would say what? Well, I know about him. I know he was our first president, and, and I know he had a couple opportunities to be king, and he refused the opportunity. So I know about him, but we're not friends. I don't know him. But if you ask me, uh, do you know Jesus? I would say, oh, I know Jesus. I have experienced him. We are friends. We have walked together. We have talked together for over 50 years. Oh, I know him. So let me ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you? Or, or, or do you know about him? And, and what we're going to learn today is one of the keys of knowing him is experiencing him, is experiencing him. Have you experienced him? And, and that's what we're learning about today when we look at everyone wins when you give 10. Giving is an opportunity for us to know Jesus and experience him in our lives. I mean, you ever wonder why Jesus wants us to give? Um, I mean, why does he want us to give? Is it because we're having way too much fun and he wants to make us stop? Isn't that what some people think about Jesus, that we're having too much fun and he wants to make us stop? That, that's not it. Is it because he's poor and he needs our money? I mean, have you ever heard a preacher saying, Jesus has no hands but ours? Jesus has no feet but ours. Help him out. Listen, Jesus doesn't need our help we need Jesus. Giving is an opportunity for us to know Jesus and experience him. That's what we're going to unpack. Everyone wins when you give 10. We're going to learn that when you give, you win, and the church wins, and God wins. Everyone wins when you give 10. You win when you give 10 because you get the joy of knowing Jesus and experiencing him in your life. You get to move from knowing about him to knowing him. Because how do we know him? The way we know Jesus is he calls us to take a step. And when we take a step and he shows up and we experience him, that makes us want to take the next step and the next step, right, isn't it? I mean, what's the first step in knowing Jesus? Isn't the first step in knowing Jesus to believe in him, isn't it? Look at verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There are people in this room, yeah, there's a gift of eternal life. They know about it. <laughs> but there's other people in this room, and they've experienced this gift. Have you? It's, 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 it's indescribable. Listen, I grew up going to church, and I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. Anybody else in here like that, that, that you heard about him and, and you knew about him, but you, you didn't know him? Matter of fact, when I was a kid and went to Sunday school, 
they had me memorize this verse. Perhaps you've heard of it too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I knew about Jesus. I knew a verse about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus until my young life leader shared with me the gospel, the bad news and the good news, and invited me to put my faith in Christ. My young life leader shared with me the bad news, that I had a problem called sin, and the Bible says we all do. He shared with me, when, when I make a decision and don't put God first, that's a sin. Anybody in here ever make a decision without putting God first? That's a sin. And, and my young life leader shared with me when, when I talked back to my parents or I was disobedient to my parents that that was a sin. Anybody in here ever disobey your parents? Man, that's a sin against God. And, and he told me that when I didn't love my neighbor as myself, that that was a sin. Any of you have neighbors hard to love? I, I, I do. And, and he told me that when I lie and when I steal, that those are sins. Anybody ever told a lie or stole it in your whole life? And I came to understand the bad news that I had sinned against God, a just God who must punish sin. And I was in huge trouble. And I said, what do I do? And then he shared with me the good news. It's only when we understand the bad news we appreciate the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, God loves and God and God gives. And so God gave the son and the son gave his life. God the son put on flesh and, and came to earth. And he lived a perfect life for us. And then he climbed on the cross. And all of our sins, all of our sins were placed on Jesus. And he died in our place. And then he rose on the third day, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us the indescribable gift of eternal life. Did you hear that? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus offers to forgive us all of our sins, past, present, and future. He offers us the opportunity to do life with him and for him, and eternity with him and for him. Did you know that people are forever? Every one of us, it's going to be eternal life or eternal punishment. It's, it, those are our only choices. We're going to spend eternity somewhere and. Um, and we're all going to do life. We're either going to do life with him or without him. Don't you want to do life with him and for him? We're going to do eternity. Wouldn't you rather do life eternity with him and for him? And what he requires of us is that we believe in him. Did you see what changes our life, what changes our eternity, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? And, and to believe in Jesus, we love to say, is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit where we admit that we're sinners. There was a day in my life where I said, Jesus, uh, I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. And if you haven't, won't you do that today? And, and then I believed. I said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And if you haven't, won't you do that? And then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and, and be my Savior and, and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did. And I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And if you haven't, won't you? But I want you to know that day I moved from knowing about Jesus to knowing Jesus. Because that day Jesus moved in. And the day Jesus moved in, I began to experience him. And he began to take things in my life and throw them out. Has Jesus thrown anything out of your life? When Jesus moved in, he says, I'm Lord now. And the way you treat your parents has got to go. And he threw it out. 
And Jesus moved in, and my language, he said, your language has got to go. And he began to throw out some words from my life. And Jesus moved in and says, you've been stealing. That's got to go. He began to throw things out. Hasn't he thrown things out of your life? How do I know Jesus? Because when he moved in, he began to change my life. (laughs) And then he began to build in new things. Hasn't he done that for you? When Jesus moved in, he gave me a love for Jesus. The first time in my life, I wanted to read the Bible, and I understood more than I used to. Not everything, but more. Isn't that true of you? And listen, when Jesus moved in, I had a new love for one another. I wanted to go to church and be around other Christians. I wanted to be involved in a small group. I wanted to because I loved his people. And when Jesus moved in, he gave me a love for lost people. I wanted to share my faith with others. Don't you? You see, when we believe in Jesus, we move from knowing about him to knowing him because we experience him. There's another way we can experience Jesus and move from knowing about Jesus to knowing him, and that's when we share our faith with others. Didn't Jesus say to us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? But some of us say, well, I I can't do that. And when we say that, then we don't experience him. Remember what his last command was? His last command was what? Uh, To go and make disciples of all the nations. And remember what his promise was? His promise was what? I will be with you. The only way to really know that he's with us is is to open our mouths and, and, and begin to share Christ with others, isn't it? And when we do, then we experience him. He's with us. He's in us. He's for us. So many people have shared with me, Smiley, it really didn't make sense until I started sharing it with others, and then I really understood. So this week, <clears throat> this week I get a, a letter from one of our members, and a couple of weeks ago she stopped by our resource center and picks up a couple of Do You Know booklets. And she says, I might be able to, to share Christ with someone at work, and she works in a nursing home. Um, So she takes it on Sunday, and God didn't waste any time. On Monday, uh, she helps a patient into bed and says, see you tomorrow. And the patient said, if I'm here tomorrow. And she thought, oh, 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 Jesus wants me to share. Jesus wants me to share. And so she read the Do You Know do you know booklet to them? Listen, it's so easy. All you have to do is read it. The power's in the gospel and not in us. And so she reads about the bad news and good news. And would you like this gift? And the person says, yes. And this lady moves at that moment from knowing about Jesus to knowing Jesus because Jesus said, I'll be with you. But the only way to experience that he's with us and in us is for us is when we take that step and And we share the gospel with someone else, and Jesus shows up. So listen, we experience Jesus when we believe in him, don't we? We experience Jesus when we share him, don't we? I mean, why does Jesus want us to share? Why does he work through us? (laughs) It's so that we might know him and experience him and have a purpose to our lives. And the same is true with giving. Why does he want us to give? So that we might know him and experience him. And that might motivate us to take the next step and the next step. Jesus says to us, give, and I'll show up in your life. I'll show up. You'll experience me. You'll know me. You'll want to take another step. Isn't that what he says? And God is able 
to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Go ahead, give, go ahead, and I'll show up, and I'll bless you so that you have an abundance for every good deed. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Some of you say, well, wait a minute, smiley. I mean, I work for what I have. I work for it. Yes, you do. But the Bible says that God gives you the ability to make wealth. Did you know that? He gives you your life. He gives you breath. He gives you health. He gives you the ability to make wealth. And what happens? Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and What's the word? Multiply. Not only does God say he will supply your needs, but he will multiply your seed for sowing so that you'll be able to give even more and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will experience Jesus and become more and more like him. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So, Smiley, if... If Jesus is saying, give, and, and, and I'll show up in your life, and you'll experience me, and you, you'll know me, where should we really start in that? And uh, seems like the Bible says the place to start in our giving is with the tithe, uh, the, the giving of 10%. And you say, why? Because that is sufficient enough for most of us to require faith. <laughs> for most of us, to give 10% of what we earn scares us. And we think, if, if, if I do that and God doesn't show up, I'm in big trouble. But isn't that the only place? Isn't that the only place God can show up and we can experience Him in those places that if He doesn't show up, we're in trouble? So in Malachi 3, verse 10, we read, Bring the whole tithe, and tithe does mean 10%, not 25%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. He says, listen, bring your tithe in, 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 into your local church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Listen to this. And test me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, I only know one other place in the Bible that it talks about God opening the windows of heaven. Anybody know what that passage is? Somebody said it, what the, the flood, right? In the flood, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out a flood until the whole earth is flooded. And here he talks about the windows of heaven being poured out, not in judgment, but in blessing, right? Notice too in here, the word test me. Have you ever wished, man, I wish there was just a place that I could test God and know that he's real, did you know in all the Bible there's only one place that God says, test me, and here it is. I mean, you, run, you know the story, right, where the devil takes Jesus up on the top of the temple and says, listen, jump off and, and see if God will catch you. And remember what Jesus said, that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But there is one place in the Bible that God says, step out in faith and listen, I will show up and I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. But, 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 you see, our math, our math goes like this. 
our math goes like 10 minus 1 equals less. That I make $10 a week and I can't afford to live on that, and God wants me to give a tenth of it away. If I do that, I'm going to be in really, really big financial trouble. But what's the problem with our math? What's left out of our math? Hmm? God. There's no God there, right? Um, you see, God's math goes like this. God's math goes 10 minus 1 plus Jesus equals more. And, and you say, well, how does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is Jesus says his math is this, that when you give him, then he opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing upon you until there's no more need. And that's when we experience him and that's when we know him. Last Sunday, I spoke at World Golf, at our World Golf Village campus, and, and a young man came up and shared with me his story. And I said, Jimmy, would you share that story with the rest of the church? And he said, yes, and here's Jimmy's tithing story. Hey, good news. My name is Jimmy Provenza, uh, and after hearing Smiley's message last week on the tithe challenge, I just wanted to share with you a brief story about how it's impacted uh, my wife and I's life. Uh, I know that a couple of you from, from World Golf Village have heard the first half of this before, so... I'll be brief, but a few years ago, my wife and I were tithing uh, intermittently, and Andy gave a message on the tithe challenge, and we decided uh, to, to try it. Um, and uh, it, within a few months, God had paid us back through various unexpected windfalls in an amount that was almost exactly 10% of our income, which I didn't think was a coincidence. Um, and about six months later, I got an unexpected uh, mid-year raise uh, at work that was also uh, around 10%. Um, and we were really excited and happy with those blessings that God had given us, and we continued to, to tithe faithfully. Um, but recently, you know, I, I had heard, or we had heard for a long time that you should really tithe on your gross income and not your net income. It's something that I had conveniently ignored. Uh, but recently, about six months ago, we decided that we should do that as well. Um, and not a month later, my boss came to me with a, uh, an opportunity that has turned into a job. Um, uh, that you know came with a financial impact that was more uh, more of a blessing from God than, than we could have could have hoped for, um, and so I just wanted to share that with you, not to talk to you about what I'm doing or what we're doing and what's going on in our lives because uh, all of it belongs to God, all the glory and power is God's, but to encourage you uh, to taste and see with the tithe challenge, um, and uh, and I hope you do, and I'm really excited to see uh, the blessings that God has for your life. Thank you, Jimmy. There are things in the Christian life that don't make sense, so you have to taste and see. And that's what Jimmy's talking about. And so listen, when I say everyone wins when you give 10, I mean you win. Because when, when you step out in faith, Jesus shows up and you know him and you experience him. Listen, everyone wins when you give 10. That means you win. It means the church wins too. Uh, it's very helpful to the local church when, when members tithe. That's what we read about in verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints. That good news is supported by the tithes and offerings of our members. And it talks here about the fully meeting the needs of the saints. If all of our members tithe, <laughs> the amount of money we would have to make disciples here and around the world is, is, is almost like unfathomable. Uh, listen, when we give, the, the church wins. And uh, to, to help you understand why that's important, um, 
Listen, we are here to make disciples here and around the world. And so I'm going to ask you a question. How, how many people are going to die? How many people are going to die? All of us, okay? You, we're, we're good on that one. And let me ask you another question. How many cures for death are there? I have a none and a one. Which is correct? There's one. Didn't we just read? Whoever believes in him, what? Shall not perish. What would our giving be like if we believed that everyone on earth had a fatal disease called sin that leads to death, but there was a pill, a gospel. Okay, that was bad, okay. <laughs> but it's the cure for death. Wouldn't we want to invest in that? Um. But listen, the last command was, was not just to win people to Christ, and that's really important because there's only one cure for death, the gospel. But Jesus said what? When people are one to faith in Christ, teaching them to observe all that I commanded to you. I, I talk to many people, and they're very concerned about the moral confusion of our culture, but where are you going to invest to make a difference there? Listen, we want to not only reach people for Christ, but we want to teach them to observe all that Christ has commanded us in his word. And I want you to know good news has many, many flaws. I mean, they let me be a pastor here, okay? But I want you to know that we believe the Bible is the word of God and we're committed not only to winning people to Christ, but then teaching them to observe. Where else can you invest in the world today where people are going to be taught that human life is sacred and we're made in the image of God. Listen, where else are you going to invest where people are going to be taught that sex is a gift from God to be enjoyed in marriage alone between a husband and wife? Where are you going to invest in our culture with that message? Where are you going to invest in our culture that's going to teach people that marriage is God's institution, not ours, and it's the permanent union of one man and one woman? That's what we're investing in. We're investing in making disciples here, of winning people to Christ and teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded us, and then we're investing in making disciples around the world. We ask you to tithe and give offerings. Good News gives 13% a tithe and more to, to church planting around the world. And together we've helped to plant 96 churches around the world. That's something that we do together as we bring our tithes and offerings in. And one of our church planter movement leaders was in town this week. And I just wanted you to hear a little bit from Leo from Rio. Hello, Good News Church. This is Travis, and I have the privilege of having some of our Brazilian brothers hanging out with us here in St. Augustine. So I wanted to introduce them to you and hear about what God's doing through your generosity. So Pastor Leo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, Good News Church. Uh, it's so nice to be here with you and to say thank you for your support, for your generosity. In Brazil, it's so important for us. I would like to introduce the Pastor Maxwell here. Yeah, He's a church planter in Mangaratiba, in Rio de Janeiro, and now he's a leader of the network in that area. And I would like to introduce Evaldo, the Pastor Evaldo. 
He's a church planter in Monte Alto, north of Rio de Janeiro. So we are working together there, uh, spread the gospel, and you are important in our project, you know, because you are uh, praying for us and you are supporting uh, our projects and changing lives in Brazil uh, through the glory of God. God bless you so much. So how has the generosity of people at Good News Church impacted Brazil for the gospel? Uh, first of all, uh, it's very important to realize that uh, the people in Brazil feels important when they uh, knows about you, you know, when they know about the, the investment, uh, the generosity uh, from Good News Church. They say, hey, we are so far and, and they love us. They invest in us, and that's that's amazing. Uh, first of all, this kind of feeling, and the second, as you know, um, when we plant a new church, we need investments, and without your partnership, it's impossible to do the mission there. So that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're excited about what God's doing in Brazil. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. See, everyone wins when you give 10. I mean, you get the joy of knowing Jesus. You, listen, the church wins that you support the church where we can make disciples here and around the world. Here's our, some of our church planters in Brazil, boy, spreading the gospel there and making disciples. So you win, the church wins, and God wins. You ever stop and think how much it means to God when you give? Um, did you hear this? Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, yet, do you love God? Would you like to bless him, kind of make his day, put a smile on his face? Did you know God loves a cheerful giver? Um, if you're old like me, there used to be this commercial on TV, and, and man, this is like, 50 years ago, but it, 60 years ago, there was a Native American. There was a Native American by himself looking across America, and he saw all the pollution and, and how we've polluted this beautiful land. And then there was a tear falling from his eye. Sometimes I picture God like that. He looks over all the world. He had made it perfect. And we have wrecked it, haven't we? He's not welcome in the world that he made for us. And man, there's domestic violence and racism and abortion and all these things. But when we come on Sunday and we give cheerfully, there is something that puts a smile on God's face. God loves a cheerful giver. Um, you, ever, you ever wonder why God loves a cheerful giver? The reason God loves a cheerful giver is because God is a cheerful giver, isn't it? Didn't we look at for God so loved the world that he gave? And when we become like God and we become cheerful givers, that blesses God. And so I want you to know that 
that Sunday, every Sunday, is an amazing opportunity for us to come. And in all the world, all the things that break God's heart, there is a point in the service where we get to put a smile on God's face because God loves a cheerful giver. Everyone wins when you give 10, you get the joy. You win, you get the joy of knowing him and experiencing him. The church wins, the church is funded to make disciples here and around the world, and God wins because God loves a cheerful giver. And so what I want you to do this week and each week is I want you to be a winner, to be a winner. Now, our teams disappoint us sometimes, don't they? But you have an opportunity every week, every week to be a winner. When Sunday rolls around, you can come and give 10 and be a winner. And so I encourage you, some, of, some of you to take that first step and to begin to tithe, to give 10, to give 10. And I know some of you say, well, Smiley, if I made more, I would give more. But let me tell you, today it will never be easier to give than it is today. The more money you make, the harder it will be for you to tithe. And you say, oh, that's not true. Oh, yes, it is. When our kids were little, we wanted them to tithe, so we gave them three jars. There was a God jar. There was a savings jar. <clears throat> there was a spending jar. And they would get a dollar. And when they got a dollar, it was very easy for them to give God a dime. Christmas came, a hundred dollars. And then, oh, it was hard to give God 10. But listen, you've got 80 left over, but look at all I could do with my 10. The more we make, the harder it is to tithe because the more the tithe is, and that's why today's the best day, wherever you are, to start. It's the best day. Today's the day to say, I want to know Jesus. I want to experience him in my life. And so it's as simple as ABC. Admit, I'm scared. Believe Jesus. I believe you'll do what you say and commit. Commit to living by God's math and not ours. I don't understand it. I still don't. But listen, I'm going to operate from now on that somehow 10 minus 1 plus Jesus equals more. Will you take that step? Now, many of you tithe, and I would encourage you to take a step beyond that. The Bible calls offerings. The, the, I really would encourage you to tithe to your local church, and with offerings, you're free to give those to your church or whatever ministry you'd like to. And you say, well, why should I give beyond a tithe? Look at verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So we have to kind of work backwards. How would you like to reap? How? Sparingly or bountifully? So then you need to, what? Sow bountifully. Let me show you a, a really interesting verse where Jesus is speaking in Luke Chapter 6, verse 38. You ever hear someone say you can't outgive God? It's true, and, and it's verses like this that teach it. Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. It's interesting how many people tell me, Well, smile, you shouldn't give for yourself, should you? But, but it's really interesting how much the Bible talks about you being blessed when you give. Did you notice all the yous in this verse, did you? Give and it will be given to 
you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Uh, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus wants to show up in your life. He wants to bless you. Um, listen, you can't outgive God, but let me share with you where some people take that astray. I'm sure some of you have heard about the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says God always wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. And the mistake they make is they make this a financial transaction that if you give God $100, he's bound to give you 1000 back. No, no, someone else put it better. They said you determine the size of your blessing by what you give, but God determines how you're blessed. Isn't that what it says? For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Maybe it's that the, cars on, the tires on your car don't wear out. Or maybe someone gives you clothes, but God will take care of you. So I encourage you, if, if you've been tithing, maybe to take that next step and, and to, give your, to give an offering and, and see what God will do. Many of you have done that. Maybe a, a next step for you would be to include good news in your estate planning. In your estate planning, I heard of that one day, and I said, that makes sense. And so Karen and I put it in our will that uh, after we're gone, the church will be blessed. So don't kill me to get it, but one day that'll come. Um, and so many of you, so many of you, you, you tithe and you go beyond that. And, and, and I would encourage you, maybe your next step is to be a cheerful giver. Uh, a cheerful giver. Um, do you think about Sunday? That's my day to really, <laughs> to really bless God. That uh, with all the things that break God's heart, Sunday is the best day of the week because we get to gather together. And we gather together to sing to him how much we love him. We gather to hear his word. We gather to encourage one another. And there's that time in the service we get to give. Now, I know a lot of you give online. Thank you for that. But even if you give online, the offering can be a very, very special part of the service where we say, thanks be to God for your indescribable gift, Lord. Thank you for the ability to give, and I give because I know you love a cheerful giver. Wouldn't that be great? Um, I'm going to end with a story, then we'll be all done. It's, it's my story, and it's, it's how I got into tithing and uh, I want you to know I became a Christian through Young Life, and one of the nice things about Young Life is they never passed an offering plate. So I was never exposed to giving. And then when I started going to church, the pastor invited me to sit on the platform with him. And that was kind of nice because then I could people watch the whole time. And the other thing is on the platform, they didn't pass an offering plate. So I go to seminary. I went to seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, and I went there and then I started going to church without ever giving anything. And I started hearing about tithing and I started hearing about offerings. And I'm thinking, you know, in a few years, I'm going to be asking others to do this and I've never done it myself. Maybe it would be a good idea for me to go first. But just like you, I had two excuses. My first excuse was I didn't have a job. And it's true. I didn't have a job. I was a full-time student, but I did have an income. My second excuse was I don't have enough. Now, this will blow your mind. When I went to seminary, it cost me $300 a month for everything. I got my uh, Master of Divinity for $10,000 three years. It was $300 a, a month. Is that, is that amazing in today's money? So my home church gave me $100 a month, 
And my young life leader who had led me to faith in Christ got some businessmen together and they gave me $100 a month. I had $200 a month in income, but I needed $300. And I said, okay, okay, Jesus, one day I'm going to ask others to do this, so I'm going to try this myself. And I remember, I remember writing out that first check and beginning to tithe, even though I didn't have a job, I tithed off my income, and even though I didn't have enough. And that's where Jesus can show up. So I do that, and within a month or so after that, <clears throat> a pastor wrote a book called Jesus Makes Me Laugh. There's a chapter in this book called Booger and Smiley. If you think Smiley's bad, how about Booger, huh? There's a chapter in this book about me, and David Redding came to Jackson, Mississippi, right after I started tithing. And he had a book signing. And I went to the book signing and I met a man named Lewis. And about a week later, I got a check from Lewis for $1,000. He sent me that check every year for three years. So I had that extra $100 I needed. And so I began to tithe on that. And the first summer I was in seminary, <laughs> I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car, but when I went to seminary, I, I worked in a church that summer, and I began to tithe, and I bought a car. And, and, and the most amazing thing, then I got opportunities to preach on Sundays and tithe off to that, and God just multiplied my income. It was amazing. My last semester in seminary, my last semester in seminary, I drove back to St. Augustine to go to a friend of mine's wedding. I flew to Atlanta to go to my cousin, cousin's wedding, and I flew to Boston to run the Boston Marathon, all while I was a student and without a job. Uh, and, then, and then I packed all of my possessions into my sweet 1972 VW Beetle, and I left seminary after 19 straight years of school with no debt. Oh. So for the last 45 years, as a student, as a single person, as a married man, as a, as a, as a father of, of six kids and one income, listen, I have tithed for, for, for the last 45 years, and it has been amazing to see how Jesus shows up, and I know him, and I want you to know him. And that's why I encourage you to give, to step out in faith so he can show up and you can know him. And I love supporting my local church because I believe we have the cure for death and we teach the truth. And I want you to want to support your church as well. And every Sunday there's something special. I mess up so much and sometimes I wonder, do I ever do anything right? But Sunday comes and every Sunday I know I get to do something Jesus loves. And I want you to have that opportunity too. Because the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so glad you're a cheerful giver that you gave yourself for us. Thank you. Thank you for coming and living and dying and rising. Thank you for offering us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. And listen, if you're here and you've not taken that first step to know Jesus, won't you take the first step? 
won't you believe in him? Won't you admit to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose? And won't you commit to him? Jesus, I want you to come in and, and be my savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, won't you tell someone or mark it on your card? It'll make Jesus more real to you. Lord, I pray for those who've taken the first step to believe that many here today would take that next step and, and that they would tithe and, and they would experience you showing up in their lives. Lord, that others would take that step of, of going beyond that with offerings or, or with estate planning, that we would all take a step and Lord, I pray that all of us would look forward to Sundays where we can do, come and do something we know you love because we know you love a cheerful giver. And may we all be one, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen.